Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the Kelly Green Hour, where it's another victory green hour as the Philadelphia Eagles improve to 5-0 after their 20-17 victory over the Arizona Cardinals in Philly East or Philly West as Philadelphia Eagles fans traveled very well on Sunday to Glendale, Arizona. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, what's going on, man? Well, I'm happy to be talking about another win. No matter how ugly it is, it feels like there's a lot of people who will just point to the ugly and expect that this team was just going to ride to 17-0. and But at the end of the day, like I said about the Detroit game, this was, and even the, I think I said about the Jacksonville game, these are games, last year's Eagles, 2020 Eagles were not winning and had almost no chance ever of winning. So I'm going to take the wins where we can get the wins. I'm just super disappointed that we have Dallas and the Giants hot on our trail in a division. I thought five and zero would be, you know, you'd be positioned extremely well. Yeah. Lost on Sunday and they could drop from first to third place in the division, depending on, on what happens. Um, but one thing I look, I, I was happy with the win, but I don't want to say I was focusing on the negative. I was disappointed because Gannon went back to his soft approach on defense. I have no idea what the offensive uh, the offensive game plan was. There was screen after screen after screen. It made zero sense to me. They they uh, went to AJ. They, had, they didn't go to AJ Brown after the first drive. It seemed like it was just very frustrating to watch. And, and when the Eagles wrote fourteen nothing, it was a game that they should have been able to put away, and they didn't. And that's the issue with, with that I had. Well, and, and we've had, I think, a couple of the weeks prior, like where in the second half the team doesn't perform as well as they did in the first half or even the second quarter. So that's my thing. Like, look, I get it. They're not, I've already said it. They're not going 17 and 0. They're going to have a bad game here and there. But like when you go away, what was work, go away from what was working the, the last couple of weeks, that's what, that's what bothers me. Like, Gannon. His, his the defensive game plan made zero sense to me. I have no idea what what he was doing. They were playing 10, 10 yards off on the receivers. It just made zero sense. And then on the offensive side of the football, like I said, screen after screen after screen, not not um, getting the ball to AJ Brown. And I get it, you don't want to force it to him, but they didn't even look his way. It seemed like. So I don't know if that what, what that was. I don't know what Stuykin and, and and Sirianni were thinking in that part, and I don't know if that had a lot to do. With Jalen Hurts against against that defense, with the offensive line being banged up a little bit, I was just confused. Look, I, like I said, I was happy that we won the game. I'm just not happy with the way we went about it. I wanted to see a more crisp. We're, we're we're past the quarter point in the season. I, this is where I want to start seeing. We haven't seen a full 60 minute game yet, and that's what I want to see. And I thought, man, the, the start of the game, it felt like that's what we were gonna see, and then it just fell apart. 
or I don't want to say it fell apart because they got the win, but it just seemed like there wasn't that cohesion that the team had the previous couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me, like I understand what Gannon was doing by trying to take away the big play, but they weren't even making an effort for the big play because they knew they didn't have to. After like the first quarter, they knew they didn't have to. They could play underneath. There was so much green field to play with. They didn't even have to worry about going for a big play because they could get chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. As far as the offensive play calling went, that to me, Gannon returning to his cover two, high cover two philosophy, that didn't surprise me. I figured at least in one or two games this year, we were going to see it against teams he think could take the top off the defense. That I was, I guaranteed, I knew it. I, I, the, with the expectation was there that eventually he was going to revert back to that at least a couple times this season. It was the offense to me, like you said, screen after screen. And if you look at Jalen Hurts's um, next gen throw chart, they didn't go at the middle of the feet. They went at the middle of the field once. Everything was left, right, screens, <clears throat> no real big plays, no really trying to open up the field like that made us so successful in prior weeks. And the middle of the field is where a guy like A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard have feasted week in and week out, and we completely avoided it, which was so annoying. But before we continue on, do you want to give a shout-out to all the wonderful sponsors first? Uh, yeah, so follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHero54. Follow The Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at The Painted Lines. Follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at EOP Sports or Edge of Philly Sports. I think I hit them all. But yeah, so I forget what the heck I forget what the heck I was gonna say. But oh, so the, the, going back to the defensive game plan, what bothered me is while Colin Murray isn't a superstar quarterback, he's around the top ten to twelve ish in that 10, ten to twelve ish range. And we saw what happened last year when the Eagles went up against top-tier quarterbacks. The defense was awful. I felt like Gannon came into the game scared, which doesn't make sense when you when you put a, a bunch of assets into the defense, whether it's Hassan Reddick, whether it's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jordan Davis. Like, you have uh, – Kaiser White, you have put assets into the defense where you shouldn't go out there playing scared. And it felt like the game plan going in was – you said it. We're not going to get beat over the top. Yeah, but like, don't play like you. Did. It just felt like it was a, a game that he called last year against the Chiefs, against the Bucks. And and while obviously Arizona is and their coaching staff, Cliff Kingsbury is not that great of a coach. Um, you know, Kyler Murray sometimes has dumb does dumb things like sliding short on third on a second down, which we'll, we'll talk about later. But I mean, I felt like if it was any. If it was a better coaching staff, the Eagles lose that game on Sunday. Excuse me. And it, it just it reminded me of last year a little bit when he got it felt like he went into the game scared to face Kyler Murray. And I and you shouldn't go into any game for, even if it's Patrick Mahomes, you shouldn't go in scared. And and that's the and you could tell by the by the game plan that that's what what you know that he was kind of scared. And that's what it just felt like to me. Yeah, I agree. And the biggest frustration for me is Arizona's offense has not been that great unless they've been backed up into a corner. When you back them up against a corner, that's when they come out and they have to come out throwing. That's when they make the big plays happen. But really, there's only one guy who makes a big play on that team, and it's Marquise Brown. And if you're worried about Marquise Brown beating you over top, 
then have your two high safety look, but have one safety over top helping the cornerback to make sure that he stays in the intermediate part of the field. Make sure that that back half of the field is not available for Marquise Brown because Rondale Moore is not going to hurt you in that game. We know from experience with Zach Ertz, he's not generally going to hurt you in that game. Their running backs were banged. They were down to Eno Benjamin and only Eno Benjamin by the third quarter at in the running back room. They had everything in place that there was one guy they had to worry about taking the top off the defense, and they treated it like any of those guys were going to take the top off the defense, and it literally made no sense to me. And I understand the frustration behind it. I just... But I agree with you. I was expecting this more down the road against Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Down the road against when Dak Prescott's back. Dak Prescott, a guy who truly will take the top off of the defense with anybody that he has. He can just sling the ball. Kyler Murray hasn't been that guy, and that offense has been not been that offense this year that we had to worry about it like that. Yeah, and it was it was just really frustrating to see. And if they had the same offensive game plan and the same defensive game plan this Sunday against Dallas, they're going to lose. Plain and simple, they're going to lose. Like, well, I still think Mike McCarthy's an awful coach, and we don't know who's going to play quarterback yet. But like, the talent on Dallas is a lot better than Arizona. Um, I think McCarthy is probably is, I guess, a better coach than Cliff Kingsbury. But that's because Kingsbury is just terrible. And honestly, if you have that game plan against Jacksonville or Detroit, yeah, we lose. are two and three right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. It wasn't good. It wasn't fun. It was very. It, it was very, very frustrating. And then, and, you know, as you said, coming in, you know, you, you would think that obviously we're five and oh, and I'm not trying to be, again, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negadelphia, but it was just frustrating to watch old. It was like old habits that we saw the last uh, year or that we saw last year from, uh, from Gannon and especially, and then I just, it made no sense. Well, like they got Devonte, they got Devonte Smith the ball a lot, but it felt like eight, eight of his 10 catches or whatever he had were on screens. Like, it's just, and he did have one big drop, which was a really big drop, which could have cost them the game. Fortunately, fortunately for the Eagles, it did not. But and again, not getting AJ Brown involved, they couldn't really run the football. Um, Miles Sanders averaged, I think, like three yards a carry. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so they're gonna have to be a lot better this week. It's a more stout defense they're going up against, a better offense that they're gonna go up against that has more weapons than what Arizona did. But you know. I don't know. It, it was, it, it while it was a win, it didn't feel like a win. That's for dang sure. Yeah, Dave. Uh, Dave says the only bright defensive spot for me was seeing Jordan Davis getting more playing time. I 100% agree. I mean, I think this is a good time to definitely shift to the positives. Dave's tired of the negatives. Okay, let's shift to the positives. <laughs> I liked him. I thought Josh Sweat had a good game, and I thought Hassan Reddick had a good game. Those three names stick out to me as having really good games. Hassan Reddick. Those first three, he's done in the last two games what he did in the first three games, even more than that, which is so he's clearly settling in. He's clearly doing a lot better. A person who continues to frustrate me, and I know that in our in our, um, in our our group chat with the entire tra- Painted Lines group, Shane brought it up. He said, hot take, I don't think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson deserves any type of contract extension so far or at this point this year. I would agree. I think at this point, he's made some plays, but to me, he hasn't been a good enough safety. If I was to say who's the best safety on our team right now, I would not even hesitate for two seconds to say Marcus Epps by leaps and bounds. Mm -hmm. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just hasn't been very good, whether it be 
from a coverage standpoint, he he gave up five receptions on six targets for 54 yards this past week, um, including giving up a touchdown as well. Um, so he hasn't been good there. He's missed a lot of tackles. It just feels like he's not seeing the field right. And maybe that's the fact that he's transitioned from the nickel, which he predominantly played in New Orleans, to the safety position, one of the two high safety positions that he's predominantly playing in Philadelphia. But he's got to start turning things around really quickly. But I do, there's a lot of positives to come from what can be said about the front four. Josiah Scott surprised me. I thought Josiah Scott had a really good game. He made a couple really good tackles. Um, but I think. Coming out of this game, the biggest disappointment to me was was definitely Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Some, something they got to figure out how to get, make sure that this guy gets better. I don't know if it's on us or if it's on him, but he's got to get safe. Maybe he's just not a safety. Like He wanted to be paid as a safety, and the Saints were like, yeah, that's not happening. And the Saints got rid of him. Maybe the Saints were just smart and, not, and, and getting rid of him. Because exactly, you know, and, and at this point, a... at this point, he's not going to get paid as a safety, nor should he. And well, he can get paid as a safety, but you're going to get paid as like a second, third tier safety. You're going to get paid five million dollars less than you expected because you gambled on yourself. And this was one of the gambles that's not paying off for him right now. Yeah, and again, like I personally think that they will resign him because they traded some assets for him, and he's still a young guy. And you know how we will think probably think that they can um work with him and 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 may and he'll be able to become a better safety um you know maybe having Vic Fangio around maybe that could help somebody like him we know how the 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 type of defenses that Vic Fangio ran with the Bears and with the, the Broncos and he's consulting with the Eagles and you know maybe he can help somebody like Chauncey Gardner Johnson start learning that safety position in terms of reading the field where he needs to be. He has been out of position a lot. He has a lot of missed tackles. Yeah, he did have the interception on on Sunday, but like I don't know what the heck Kyler Murray was thinking on that throw, um, which we've had a lot of we don't know what Kyler Murray is thinking when he did this type of moments. But, um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. It's if He's transitioning to a new team, a new city, a new defense, a new position. Now we are five games into it, so he should start – progressing and we haven't seen that yet so hopefully this week he does start because you know you might be right where if he doesn't continue if he doesn't get better or show that he can adequately adequately play the safety position they won't bring him back this is the last year of his deal and obviously and and honestly though the money that the eagles are gonna have to shell out if jalen hurts continues to play like he is they might not be able to bring him back and like i was talking about the the likes of kaiser white james bradbury cgj like these guys that we love, love or that we like to see on our defense, it's going to look different in how he's going to have to keep hitting on these draft picks. And they have a bunch, a bunch of draft picks over the next couple of years that he's going to need to be able, need to hit, so that when you're paying your quarterback forty-ish million dollars a year, you're not going to be able to, you know, get depth at the all, the, um, the linebacker position, corner, safety, maybe even defensive line because Cox won't be here, Hargrave won't be here, and you're not going to be able to bring up bring in those type of guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit on the head there because this defense is going to look very different next year, whether we like to admit it or not. At the end of the day, you can't bring back everybody who's playing the way that they're playing, or if any of them get any better, we can't afford to bring them all back. So you have to make the decision of, I understand the assets that we put into Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, 
But if Kaiser White and TJ Edwards continue to play the way they're playing, I think I'd rather pay them and linebacker money theoretically can be a bit cheap currently is a bit cheaper than safety money so especially the way that edwards and kaiser white play are playing they're not playing at the tier that you're paying them top tier linebacker money you can pay them at a, a tier below that and you can bring them both back and shore up your linebacker room continue to have nicobe dean get in ready in the background or you have nicobe dean there and ready so you can let one of them go and keep chauncey gardner johnson there's a lot of free agents coming up and there's going to be a lot of decisions made. And there's going to be a few decisions made that I know this show and I know Eagles Twitter, and I know that the Eagles media is probably going to criticize this offseason because he's just not going to be able to bring them all back, especially when he, like you said, he makes that final decision. Am I going to bring back? Am I going to get Jalen hurts on his contract? Is it time to give him his contract? Are we paying him 40 million? Are we paying him 35 million? How much is that contract going to look like? Because we have benefited. And this isn't the first time we benefited from this. Go back to 2017 when we won the Super Bowl. We have benefited from our ability to play with rookie contract quarterbacks. And it just isn't going to pan out that way. It didn't pan out that way with Carson Wentz, but his contract was pretty team friendly. With Jalen Hurts, if he continues to play the way that he's playing, it's not going to be team friendly. And the market has set up in a way that's just, it's going to be really hard for Howie Roseman to make it a team friendly deal. Um, so it'll be tough. Especially but after Lamar be... Jackson gets his contract. Now, he's not going to get paid what Lamar Jackson gets paid, but that's going to bump but up. Like Lamar, average... Jackson, Lamar Jackson's big thing is I want fully guaranteed. Oh, yeah. If Lamar Jackson gets fully Cleveland guaranteed, screwed, screwed everybody, screwed the league. <laughs> Pretty much, pretty much. But back to the game. Um, otherwise, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about any more defensively, but I, I mean, I was just, I was pretty happy with the front four. They did a pretty good job. Uh, 21 pressures on the day while it only transitioned to one sack and one quarterback hit. That was kind of disappointing. But like Dave said, Jordan Davis had a couple really good run stops. Um, and then there was some good pressure from Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick. It just didn't transition into translate into any big plays because Trevor Lawrence is more of a pocket passer. Kyler Murray is not so much. So there's a, it's a lot more difficult to play in a pocket where a guy is able to get out of that pocket. Whereas Trevor Lawrence didn't have as much capability of doing that. And Kyler didn't really start running until the fourth quarter. When as soon as, as soon as he got to the fourth quarter and they were within striking distance, I said, here we go. Video game Kyler, which we talked about on Friday, like he was going to go out there and do something. And or he was going to be, the video game in Kyler was going to be unleashed and it almost was. Um, he was close and we could talk about that boneheaded play on second down. He ran the ball slid and apparently the markers in the stadium said first round and that's why he spiked it or else he probably wouldn't have. You, you could have did a QB sneak. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but do a QB sneak so that you're not, you don't have to You get a fresh set of downs and you know, you maybe score a touchdown because I think if they got a if they got a first down there, Arizona was going to score a touchdown. I think, and they were going to win the game. That's how little faith I had in what Cannon was calling on on defense. I thought Arizona was going to come back and win it. Um, Cameron Dicker, the kicker, our kicker was was more special than Matt Amendola. Uh, we got lucky, but apparently Milton it looked like Milton Williams may have tipped that ball. Yeah, the the angles that we're seeing pictures <laughs> of, or that I've seen pictures of, Milton Williams definitely got a bit of a hand on it, and. To be fair, it, it he that is not there's not much air coming through that stadium, not much wind blowing. So when that ball went up, I was like, something happened because that went hooked way too fast, way too hard with no wind. 
It's pretty yeah. much a covered a dome, pretty much a dome. There's some openings where you see the sun coming through, but it was essentially a dome. So yeah. when that went off, I was like, ooh, that is just a really atrocious kick where he hooked it hard or something happened up front. And now it makes sense with the images that came out. But definitely that play, I, I tweeted it out on the Kelly Green Hour after. That's why Kyler Murray has study head study clauses in his contract because that's just bonehead decision. That's just bad decision making. And, and well, the, if now it was boneheaded, but if in the stadium it said first down, that's not on him. Like if the if the markings, if if somebody in the stadium made a mistake and he was like when he ran it and he saw first down, it's like okay, I'm gonna go and spike it. Like his, you wanted to spike it real quick. He didn't have a chance to for Kingsbury. Or whoever's in his helmet say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's, it's third down. It's not first down, like that." So, I it is boneheaded, but I also think like if somebody in the and, and which is weird because it's the home stadium. Like you don't granted it, it didn't sound like it was a home stadium for the Cardinals, uh, as many Eagles fans as, that were there. But I, I don't know. Like, but you have to have awareness too. Look left, look right. Where he slid, he should he had to know if you look in either direction, you didn't have that first down. Like, yeah, you popped up and you were half a yard past the first down marker, but no, I he didn't. And it, to me, it just didn't make any sense. Um, like, I get what you're saying, that, that it's tough to say what they knew or what they thought at the time. But to me, I just, I can't get behind it. I just because- think he thought it was the first time. If he didn't, I don't think he would have called first, but when he slid, and I, I don't, maybe he just doesn't remember the part where, if as soon as you if you as soon as you slide, that's where it goes. It's not where you get touched um, for quarterbacks anyway. That you know that that could have been part of it. But like, I I that that's my thought. I honestly thought he thought it was first down. That's why he spiked it. Like, and they said the other part was on the coaching staff. Someone should have noticed. I agree. Someone yeah, like you have. can wave their from coaching the staff. Is awful. Can, oh, a hundred percent. Um, EC one football before we move past our defensive plays. He says, give me Brian motherfucking Burns. Um, I'm going to say this. There's a lot of people who want Brian Burns and obviously things are probably blown up in Carolina because Matt rule got fired. And now they're the people want Christian McCaffrey in Philadelphia. Um, that's not happening. Brian Burns. I don't think would happen because of the situation we're already financially in with this, with the entire with the entire defense, you already have Hassan Reddick, who's essentially a defensive end, locked in on a big contract. You got Josh Sweat, who's locked in on a fairly big contract. You got Brandon Graham, who you have to figure out what you're doing with next year. Brian Burns is in the last year of his contract, so you're going to pay him. If you pay him, you're definitely not getting Gardner Johnson back. You're definitely dumping one of the linebackers because edge money right now is massive money, and Brian Burns has definitely earned it. I wish, I hope, I wish if we weren't set, if we didn't sign Hassan Reddick in the offseason, I'd be all aboard the Brian Burns train. But then you're probably essentially pushing Reddick back into coverage or out into coverage. And we already know if you've been listening to the Kelly Green Hour for since we signed him, no, no, never in coverage, plain yeah. and simple. So unfortunately, <clears throat> I've seen a lot of people want Brian Burns. I, I'm sorry. It just, it makes no sense to us unless you just want him as a rental to try and get to that Super Bowl, and that's it. But I'm trying to think anybody else on that team. I want. I would want JC Horn, but they're not going to trade him. <laughs> it's only his second year. I would um, take. Uh, I would take DJ Moore. But I mean, we're in a well, pretty good spot as wide. We have a quarterback guy. that doesn't throw the ball to our top receiver. Why would DJ Moore want to come here? Oh, this God. is true. I, I think we're just in a spot like Christian McCaffrey. The contract is ex, ex, 
not feasible. And the thing is, Carolina is not going to sit there and say, okay, yeah, we're going to eat a bunch of contract to get a first rounder. They're going to say, we want the picks. We need the picks. We're rebuilding and we can't eat a bunch of salary. They might eat a little bit of salary, but I think Chris McCaffrey's do like 20 something million dollars next year. They're not going to eat more than 50% of that. And the skill that Christian McCaffrey is, it, it makes no sense from a contract perspective. A lot of them just make no sense contractually mm-hmm. for us in Carolina, unfortunately. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does. Hopefully, like, you know, Dallas doesn't get a DJ Moore or or something like that. Because that would, that would think the, bill, the, the Bills got, like, Christian McCaffrey, like, just hand them the trophy. Like, that would be unfair. Um, let's go to the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. We, 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 we've touched upon it. Too many screens, not enough passing the ball down the field, a really bad running game, injuries to the left side of the offensive line. Jason Kelsey got hurt, came back. And I think, like, they were saying it, Sirianni was saying it, a lot of the guys were saying it. It's like when when Kelsey comes back in the second half, when he really didn't need to, like, that provides a spark um, for the team. So, like, that's just the type of guy that Jason Kelsey is. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, hopefully, you know, my could potentially come back this week. Um, we'll see if Dickerson, I think Dickerson, Dickerson came back into the game. Hopefully he'll be good, good, good to go for, you know, he'll be up close as close to hundred percent as possible. If my is not going to be able to go, you think this is the week um, Dillard gets uh, activated or do you think they stick with Driscoll? I, I think so. I mean, I think when you go back and look at it, um, don't quote me on, let me pull it up for block and perspective. Um, there was 11 pressures allowed and six of them came from Dr- Jack Driscoll this week. So over half of the pressures allowed were Jack Driscoll. And this wasn't even that great of an, a defensive line. You put Micah Parsons into this mix. You put that whole defensive line in general, the front four there we would probably be in trouble trouble with Jack Driscoll. But at the same time, Dillard has to be 100%. If we're getting an 80% Andre Dillard, is that any better than 100% Jack Driscoll? Like, you have to weigh it out there and make sure that Andre Dillard is 100%. I would prefer Jordan Mylotta in this situation. Well, but course, yeah. for the safety of him moving forward and for us being able to keep him down the stretch, theoretically into the playoffs and, and a, hopefully a deep run into the playoffs – Jordan Mailata being healthy then matters more, especially with the bye week coming up right after this Dallas matchup, that if the extra this week off and the extra week is what's going to get Jordan Mailata from that 85% to 100% ready to go for the back half of the season, I would keep Jordan Mailata out. But definitely I would prefer him there. I think Dillard, Driscoll's done well. I think he got lucky in that this wasn't a great defensive line, I think next week he'd struggle a lot more. So I think I'd prefer Dillard in this spot to get back in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see if he gets activated. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's going to be in front of the nationally televised offense. Fine. I mean, first time, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to jump ahead to the Dallas game, but first time in a while that Eagles-Cowboys mean something this week. Like, the Eagles haven't beaten them in a while. They gave up, and obviously the second game, didn't really matter, but gave up over 50 points to Dallas in both games last year. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to mean, mean something. You, you have to find a way. Jay, and it means I think it's going to mean something to Jalen Hurts too because he hasn't played well against Dallas. I mean, he had he had one a touchdown pass to Deshaun I think two years ago, but other than that, like he hasn't really played well. So they're, they're going to have to find a way to, to to beat their rival. And a lot of people, and again, I'm we'll talk about this more on Friday, but a lot of people are saying. 
even if they lose, I'm all right. I'm not feeling that way because you haven't beaten this team. This means like you have to start beating Dallas. You can go from five and zero first place in the conference, only undefeated team first place in the East to third place if you lose this one game. That's how much like this game is going to mean something. I know it's early, but like we have to get that Dallas monkey off our back for this group group of guys. And if you can't beat them this week, I don't want to hear. Yeah, we're still five and one. We're all right. No, we need to start beating good teams. And the Eagles haven't. Who's the last good team the Eagles beat? Do we count Arizona as a good team? Uh, based on no. what I've seen this season, I I can't. Do we count Jacksonville as a good team? They just lost to Houston. Yeah, they just showed got pretty much decimated in back to back games. Wait, so uh, when's the last time this group like beat a good team? And th- that stretch that they went on last year wasn't good teams. So I they, they I hundred percent agree. Like when the people who are saying, uh, like, what is the point of Dallas week? The point of Dallas week is it's the big one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL, and you want to damn well win that mat that game don't sit there and say well it's okay if we lose especially in a division that likely looks like i don't think the giants will hang i mean we say keep saying this every single week (laughs) but i don't think the giants are going to hang around for the entirety of the season i think they're going to have a fall off eventually but maybe brian dayball and and joe scone have really got this team set on a right pace and they're just a few little pieces of talent away from being that team but i mean you can't in a division that right now at this very moment, if we're two or three games up, okay, whatever. I still don't want to lose to Dallas. I still, like you said, we got to get that monkey off our shoulder, but I just can't get behind people saying, ah, it's okay. No, it's not okay. This can't be okay. We need this win. And it looks like we're going to be going up against Cooper Rush by based on most all accounts and based on the majority of reports, there's a lot of hurdles that Dak Prescott still has to get over, and they'd be getting far from 100% Dak Prescott if they roll him out this week. I think they're blowing smoke. I think it's going to be Dak this week. I think it's tough to say. It it could be – we know how he controls the media and what gets out there, Jerry Jones, in Dallas. But for now, like, if you get Cooper Rush, you have to beat Cooper Rush. You have to. Cooper Rush is probably the worst quarterback we've faced this season. You have to be able to beat him. He stood the test. But look at the passing he's numbers. Look at what he's doing. Off. He's he's making good decisions. He's putting the team in a spot to be able to get points, whereas other guys like Jared Goff or Carson Wentz will commit turnovers, try and do more with nothing. But they're playing for jobs. Cooper Rush, depends what you want to believe, is not really playing for a job. He's a backup quarterback. I don't but, know. I mean, there could be some there. There could be some teams that would want to want a Cooper Rush next year. That would want to replace their current quarterback now. But let's let's continue with the Arizona um, Eagles game. I want to talk about the the, fan, the Philly fans, man. That was amazing. The the amount of green that you saw in the crowd in the crowd whenever they the cameras panned to, to the to the stands, more green than red. Man, it's just crazy how the Eagles fans are are just traveling and and taking over cities. Um, and and they get two home. They get the Dallas game. They get a bye, and we get a home home game against Pittsburgh. I, I actually forgot the bye was this early. You know, it'd be nice to go into the bye six and zero and be able to recoup. You know, heal heal some wounds and come out swinging against the, the Stillers and, and and Kenny Two Glove Pickets. But um, yeah, the, the Philly fans were amazing. I mean, I don't know, like just watching on, on TV and when when the field goal was missed by Matt Amendola. The, the the excitement the exuberance by 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 all the fans in the stands it, it was awesome to watch 
yeah it, it was amazing to watch like you never get that type of of pop excuse me for using that wrestling reference but you never get that type of pop from fans speaking of like, pops bray wyatt got a pop saturday night they were <laughs> like that he's he loves bray wyatt <laughs> <laughs> but like you never get that type of pop that far away too like arizona it's not like you're going to new york or you're going to new england or you're going to the carolinas like Arizona is a trip and these people like I follow a ton of people on Instagram and the amount of Eagles fans that were down there and taking over Glendale all around it bars everything and then the game was insane it would the atmosphere was like it felt like a mini link like probably a few less decibels than the link but still like insane to think that the fans traveled that well it's just disappointing that we didn't get a better game and we didn't get an offense better offensive game plan but they got the w so at the end of the day we have to and whether whether people want to sit there and say oh you just got lucky with with uh uh the kicker and missing the kick and you just got Sometimes lucky, you need to get Kyler, lucky yeah and kyler murray making bad decisions that's the vegas raiders about last night they'd like to have gotten some breaks they'd like to have gotten a bit luckier in certain situations but they didn't so you take the chances to get luck where you can get luck because you're not always going to get luck in a bank and against the really good teams. You're definitely not getting luck often. So when it comes time to really get some good teams, we're not going to be able to rely on, well, we might see a missed kick here or someone might make a decision like Kyler Murray made. You're likely not going to get that lucky. So you take the luck when you can get the luck against a game, a team that we kind of deserve to get the luck against because no matter what side, if you're listening to Arizona Cardinals radio or podcast at this point, I'm sure they're not talking about anything really nice either because the game was really ugly on both sides of it for them too. Are there Arizona Cardinals podcasts? <laughs> I mean, I imagine. <laughs> I don't know. You never know. They could be talking Phoenix Suns basketball maybe. I don't know. But I, mean, um, I, I don't like – otherwise, like – I I love Dallas Goddard's game. I thought Dallas Goddard had a great game. He did. He's really, really good. good. I know he's the number one tight end. Maybe even the number one, just after the catch. Like he. Remember when we had Zach Ertz, and every time Zach, you would tap Zach Ertz, he's fall. But like Zach, Dallas Goddard really runs hard, and he is really tough to tackle. I'm really glad we made that pick back in 2018. Definitely. It was a great pick. And like you said, it's disappointing that they didn't go to AJ Brown more. It's disappointing in my eyes that they didn't attack the middle of the uh, middle of the field more. I think that they definitely could have, but this goes back to what me and you talked about last week, LJ, Isaiah Simmons and Zavin Collins were doing a really good job in the middle of that field. They were having a hard time. I think Buda Baker too. Like they were having a really hard time working to the middle of the field because of who was playing in the middle of the field. And me and you both said that last week that a game changer was going to be, we haven't really played a linebacker who plays the middle of the field or who's as versatile. Like we've played good linebackers, but versatility wise, we haven't played a linebacker like Isaiah Simmons or a linebacker like Zavin Collins, who's very athletic. So that is, uh, while I'm disappointed, I guess I kind of get the reasoning, but I think you could have taken some shots there to help open up the field because you really weren't opening up the field and you really weren't fooling that defense because you were literally were going screen, 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 and you were only staying on the left side and the right side of the field. So it was pretty easy to tell what was going to happen. And one thing we did not mention when we talked about the offense was just how brutal brutal they were against the blitz 
you knew pretty much every time, every third down, you knew the house was being thrown at Jalen Hurts. Maybe Everybody that's why they kept throwing the screens. I don't know. But even then, like some of the times, like you could and Kenneth Gainwell, I'm starting to get really tired of Kenneth Gainwell because I wanted the, to see he, more of Trey Sermon. I so did I. And like Kenneth Gainwell, he missed on some blitzes, he missed blocks bad like he got plowed over and it turned into a pressure or a hurry on uh, for for him and for Jalen Hurts like there's a part of me where it says like what there's a part of me that's starting to feel like when is it a time to give Sermon a few more looks you can still split what's left after Miles Sanders between two running backs and figure out which running back is the guy because I know Kenneth Gainwell is probably the guy on passing downs but maybe short yardage maybe in blocking situations maybe Sermon can be that guy and maybe we need to give him more of an opportunity because Kenneth Gainwell just isn't the answer, especially in situations where they were getting blitzed. But God, it was a big plus. Our blitz pickup was a major negative. Um, mm -hmm. And Kenneth Gainwell to me continues to be I a think negative. that's where we missed Deuce Staley as the running back coach because he was really good at, mm -hmm. at teaching that. Some of Dave's comments here, if Dallas beats us, who cares? They're, they've won the Super Bowl every year for a long, long time. Uh, we have work to do this week against Cowboys fans. They're deeply in love with things that were good forever ago. It's, I think they still enjoy rotary phones. <laughs> That's a good one. And when they win games, they describe it to other fans by drawing pictures on rocks like in the caveman days. That's loyalty. Dave, I hope you still have more of those those jokes for Friday when we, when we actually talk about the Eagles-Cowboys game. But That's a good start to Cowboys week. I like it. Oh, uh, man. But, yeah, so, look, a win's a win. We're five and zero, oh, first place in the NFC East, first place in the NFC. Uh, the I think, and I'm with you. I don't think the Giants will be there at the end of the year. And the the, the crazy part though is the Giants are doing this with a terrible quarterback, not a lot of depth. Kenny Galladay is providing nothing for them. Um, so like, you're right. Once Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable are able to actually get players in there. It'll definitely make for an interesting NFC East. The NFC least, or the NFC East, which everybody was calling the NFC least, may not be the NFC least any longer. It may be the NFC beast. Um, but yeah, this Sunday night's game is definitely going to be the big, the big one with Dallas and the, and the Eagles, and, and we're going to have fun talking about that on Friday. And and I just want to bring up one more before we move on from this Cardinals game. Mm -hmm. This special teams continues to make me more and more nervous. Yet again, Britton Covey had a fumble while he recovered it. The fact that he's fumbling. Now, one of the things that I stood by was he can catch a ball better than Jalen Reger. And at this point, was that two straight games with fumbles? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the games he had multiple fumbles. I'm a <clears throat> becoming a little more nervous about the situation there. And you look at some teams who put a bit of a focus on punt return or put a bit of a focus on special teams. It's paying dividends. They'll get Jamal Agnew last week. Like Dallas with Keontae Turpin. Yeah. Like they, they put <clears throat> a bit into that and they put a little bit of value and you don't have to put a lot of value into it. The guy can be a vets minimum deal and that can be all the value you need. But like, now that we've committed to one player on our roster who is literally, he never plays on offense. So this guy, Britton Covey is 100% specifically meant for this role. He has to be good at it. If you're going to waste the roster spot, he has to be. I think he, if he doesn't prove better. himself this, if he doesn't prove himself this week, they're going to cut him. Nobody's going to no. pick him up. And no. you have two weeks. You have this, you have the bye week and the week leading up to the Steelers to find somebody else. Hopefully they'll be able to. But yeah, they need to 
And Aaron Sippas has been, I think, I think I saw a stat. Aaron Sippas has the most punts that have landed inside the 20. So Aaron Sippas has definitely improved massively. He still, over the last he still kicks it into the end zone too many times though. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not there. Like last week he was good. He got a couple to bounce at the five and like land at the 10 or whatever. But, he, but a lot of them do go into the end zone. Before we get to our unhounded player, I do want to say, ask, what are your thoughts on the pass interference? Because Tom Brady being tackled like a normal person, David Carr being tackled like a normal person. You mean roughing the passer, not pass interference. That's what I meant. I'm sorry, roughing, roughing the passer. But those two being tackled like normal people and having flags thrown, which turn, could have turned both of those games potentially – um, what do you, I, and I know that at their quarterly meetings or whatever, the owners are going to talk about it and they're probably scaled back, but running quarterbacks don't get that. Jalen Hurts doesn't get that. Kyler Murray doesn't get that. Um, you know, I don't even know if Mahomes would get that. Like, well, Mahomes, what he's the golden child in the NFL, but like Lamar probably doesn't get that either. It, it's what are your thoughts on, on that? And like, what what is the NFL think? Like they need to change it. I think they need to go to a sky a, a guy in the sky, and if a flag's thrown, and they see the replay and be like, no, no, like that's stupid. You're not calling that. Pick up the flag, wave it off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's there's a number of times in games where they'll meet, they'll stand together, and they'll wave a flag over. They'll pick a flag up and and whatever. I think that has to happen more often, but I think instead of them all meeting together, like you said, there has to be one guy in New York who's focused on that game or a couple guys because you probably have to watch more than just one. You have to watch at the ball and you have to watch the egregious calls, the pass interferences of the world, the the rough and the passers of the world, the plays that continue to come up over and over again. You need people who are watching those replays and because they never go right to the ball, snap the ball and whatever. Maybe they would start doing that to try and avoid the flag being picked up or whatever. But you have the time. You have the 10 seconds for someone to watch it once or twice over and say, now nah, pick up the flag, keep the play going type of situation. So I agree with you. I think they have to do that. And while I know that they're like, oh, well, we don't want to delay the game or anything. You just need to see the replay one or two times. And you don't have to watch every angle, all the players. Like we're talking the egregious plays that you continue to have to question yourself on over and over again. Or even in the circumstance, I think, was it Chandler Jones or, or Chris Jones who said, we need to have, we need to be, that needs to be reviewable or challengeable. Like maybe that's a circumstance where it could be challengeable. But at this point, you have to start taking some power away from refs and putting it in the hands of somebody in New York who can watch those replays, who can get in their ears and say, pick that flag up. No, we're not doing that. Move, keep moving. Like you need somebody to step in because they're costing teams too many games and it just doesn't make sense anymore. I will say the Tom Brady one, I hate it way more than the Derek Carr one. The Derek Carr one, it is in the rule book that you have to try and shift your weight. You can't land on the What is he supposed to do? Listen, li listen, El, I'm not defending it, but it's in is the rule book. Is he supposed to be it's Superman there. and fly over him? Like, come it, on. Listen, I get it. I get it, though. But it's there. It's in the rule books. But I agree. Can't Dave McNaught, Dave's jumping in. Can't, can't have a player get tackled. It's ridiculous. Yes. They might as well put flags. They're going to put flags on quarterbacks soon. They, at this point, it's so hard to be a defensive player. <clears throat> It is. it is so much harder to be a defensive player than any other position. And I don't care what the offensive players say. It is way easier to be a wide receiver than a cornerback. It is way easier to be a quarterback than to be a defensive tackler, defensive edge. It's just such an incredibly 
difficult job for them. But I agree with you. I think some power needs to be taken away from them because I think that those the some of these refs are on power trips. And just yeah. like a lot of people said last night, the whole scope of that game last night changed when they blew that call and the reaction that the fans gave them. They started making bad calls, bad decisions. The Did rest you hear of the, the way ref, through, it shifts everything. The ref made a was talking, and it sounded like he was about to cry. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's. Imagine doing that in Philly. Like, Casey is pretty. Casey, they, those fans can get on you, but do that in Philly, and you might not make it out alive. Dave says Connor nailed it with Brady. He actually was whining about it. No, not if you ask him. Well, Brady, Brady's the, always gonna whine about it, so it doesn't matter. You if can they, look at you can look at Tom Brady. He'll whine. If if Tom if Tom Brady ends up being like if they change this rule, Tom Brady is gonna have a lot more whining to do. You can I can guarantee you. I think he's retiring at the end of this year, anyways. But he's probably retiring if they change these rules to make it so that you can hit the quarterback a little bit harder. Because for the amount of money they make, even if they get hit on some of these plays, like how often is this? Once a game that they get hit like this, it, it's it's okay. It's gonna be fine. Your your thirty to fifty million dollars is gonna cover. Anything you need, and you're probably going to get up and be able to come back the next play, unlike, you know, running backs or unlike wide receivers or some of the guys who are taking bigger hits who are, or the linebackers or safeties who are laying out the big hits. Yeah. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Welcome bo- welcome aboard, Eagles 5-0 Phillies. We, we don't care about that third team. We hope they go 0-82 <laughs> this year. That's my that's my prediction, 0-82, hopefully. Things are going good in Philadelphia. Wait until the Flyers start playing. You want to see disappointment. <laughs> yeah, Dave, the, Dave, Dave, the Flyers the, like, sitting in the corner. Does anybody blue. even care that the Flyers start their season this week? Uh, does anybody care? Like, I love I love the Flyers. My, my first love was the, the Flyers, and then the Eagles came very quickly after that. But it's tough to be a fan this year, I will admit. John, John Tortorella is the best. I know we're getting off. <laughs> What's a flyer? What's a flyer? John, John, John Tortorella is the and and Gritty are the two like main like they're the the focus of the Flyers and that's not good. They don't have any players on their team anymore. Bedard, I don't care. Yeah, the Bedard's the big big guy this year. I won't. They're not going to get the number. The that's the worst thing. They'll have the worst record and not get the number one overall pick because that's what happens to the Flyers. All right, so let's move. <laughs> Uh, so the Eagles are five and zero. Let's move to our unheralded player of the week for week five in the National Football League. And what do we mean by unheralded, Connor? You know the deal. We don't want the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we don't want the you know the the Saquon Barkley's. We don't want those guys. We want somebody that's like under the radar. Nobody that nobody really talks about. Uh, who is your unheralded player of the week for week five? I got Ramondre Stevenson for the New England Patriots. Although I feel like, you know, you're going to get the W, the Pats were getting a W against the Lions, probably with or without Ramondre Stevenson. 25 carries for 161 yards is an absolute monster of a day for a running back. Damian Harris went down. Damian Harris is likely going to miss a few weeks. So I'm going to get in on the ground floor with Ramondre Stevenson because he will no longer be able to be used as an unheralded player of the week after this week because he's going to probably have a lot more games that are maybe not 161 yards on the ground, but that are going to be really good games on the ground, some games through the air, some touchdowns. So I'm going to use them while I can use them. And that's a pretty impressive win when you consider it's on the back of Ramondre Stevenson and behind the arm of Bailey Zappi, the <laughs> third string quarterback of the New England Patriots. <clears throat> while I am talking about two and three team that beat a one and four team, it's still impressive. 
I mean, the, the, the Lions were leading the league in scoring before getting shut out versus the Patriots, but also giving up the most points in the league. Uh, my <laughs> unheralded player of the week, I'm going to go, you know, stay in the same division. I'm going to go, and I don't like this team a lot, but the New York Jets, Brees Hall. He had 100, or he had nine, 18 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Two, two catches for 100 yards, 197 yards of total offense. Um, Joe Douglas is doing things. They got Sauce Gardner. They had the, they had the three first round picks, I think, this year. You know, Sauce Gardner, um, Garrett Wilson, and the linebacker. I forget who the linebacker is uh, that they took, but a defensive player that they took later. Um, but yeah, so they, they have Jermaine Johnson. Thank you. The, the, the lineman from Florida State. Um, he's putting together a good team over there. And I mean, they're still the Jets. And who would have thought that the Giants and Jets would have seven wins by week five, seven weeks combined by week five? Quinn and Williams? No. Qu- Quinn, and, as my player, <laughs> I do like Quinn and Williams. He went to Alabama. Um, but who would have thought that the Giants and Jets by week five would have seven combined wins? Nobody thought they would have seven combined wins on the season. And they have seven by week five. Uh, so, you know, things are going right. I was it's- convinced they would have less wins than how many bodies were claimed on their turf this year. But so far, it's only been one in Sterling Shepard. So, yeah, their own guy. Well, we yeah. go to when do we play the Giants? Don't we play on in a, like, a month or so? The, the Giants are week 14. Yeah, the Giants are quite a ways oh, away. Oh, we got 14 we almost- and 18 that we get them. Yeah, we got, we got, we got a couple of easy ones to wrap it up. Hopefully, or we here we are bashing the New York Giants, and they're going to end up showing up like a ten and four team or something. The like, only thing is, we can't beat the Giants when they're good, <laughs> or when they're bad, or we struggle with the Giants. I shouldn't say we can't beat them. We struggle with the Giants when they're bad. No, but um, but yeah, Brees Hall looking he was was looking good. He's he's definitely looking like a good pick for them. Um, you know, I don't the think- crazy part for the giant for the <clears throat> Jets too is nobody wanted to go there. So like Joe Douglas is building it all through draft picks Organic and just yeah. signing leftover pieces. Like that's crazy. And I'm and I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan. Like I don't think he's the guy for them. I think they're they're still looking for their quarterback. Um but they're going to get a formula to go down on that field. Hopefully, hopefully time there's going to be a few more go down. Let's pray it's not an eagle. Yeah, I know. Week four. I think we go there. We actually no, we go we go there week eighteen. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So they got a lot of young talent. They they need to fix they need to fix the offensive line still. Um, they need. I think they need a quarterback. They got receivers: Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, you know Corey Davis. I love Sauce Gardner. I wanted the Eagles to get Sauce Gardner somehow. I, he's so good. Um, but he had his first interception last week too. But yeah, we saw. Looking good for the Jets, and, and they have a lot of spot. They play they play tough for for Robert Sala. I don't know if Robert Sala is going is is going to be a good coach. I know he's a good defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's going to be a good head coach, but he's got things going right there with with Joe Douglas. So, so I go Brees Hall. You go Ramondre Stevenson. So we stay and I can age. tell you right now, I feel like Brees Hall. This 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 is it. You will uh, we will never be calling him out as the unheralded player because no longer. He, he's definitely going to be getting a lot more games like this, and he's going to be looking really good. He's, he's a, definitely a legit running back talent. So we yeah. retire Ramondre and Brees from the <laughs> unheralded players. All right, so this Friday we will get you ready for Eagles-Cowboys. A quick, quick thought on Eagles-Cowboys, Connor. It's Cowboys week. For the anybody who's saying, I don't care if we win this game, 
I care. Do not sit here and celebrate Cowboys Week, Dallas Week, like a true Eagles fan. If you say, I don't care, whatever, we're five and one. No, no, no. Do not even, you have no right to celebrate. But um, if it's Dak Prescott, I'm a little nervous. If it's Cooper Rush, I'm actually more nervous with Cooper Rush. I'll explain on Friday. But I think we can make, I see, I think we can make Rush make the mistakes. But I think actually a banged up Dak Prescott, we could probably make them make mistakes too. But, See, I don't know, Chris. I don't know if you heard. I was saying, while it may not be the end of the world, we haven't beaten that. We haven't been competitive with Dallas in a long time, and we need to get that monkey off our back. Listen, Friday, I'm going to explain why I think it's hard. It would be harder against Cooper Rush than it will be Dak Prescott. I like it, and I'm I'm actually I'm really nervous about Micah Parsons and that front four because man, especially they, if our offense, especially they're right there. You you look at the Eagles and you look at the Cowboys; they're pretty much right there for pressure percentage right there for sacks right there for qb knockdowns they're all along the board there and it's almost like solely micah parsons in dallas he's an absolute beast would never trade devonta smith for the world but man micah parsons would have looked good in in midnight green Mm. uh haven't heard anything on my lotta yet i guess there's potential that he can play this week well, hopefully, but hopefully yeah, I think we'll we we'll we'll keep days. an eye on the Andrew reports and follow the uh, Kelly Green Hour Twitter page because I usually post daily on who's a limited participant or who participated didn't participate in practice. But he has to participate in even a limited fashion by Thursday or Friday. If not, I would definitely rule be ruling. And there's I know- no way if if my lot is out, there's no way Parsons lines up against Lane Johnson because Lane Johnson hasn't given up a QB hit. And what seems like forever. Oh no, they'll he's flip, be him. Over they'll Jack flip him to the left side, and yeah. oh yeah, he'll he'll yeah. if it's Jack Driscoll that they put out there, Driscoll probably and Dillard's healthy. Dillard will be out if there the by the don't half chip time. and don't help. I'm gonna be really furious with Nick Sirianni. I don't care if you put Jack Stall over there. I don't care if you're chipping with one of our running backs. Do something. Jack Stoll's Jack Stoll's almost exclusively there for blocking purposes anyway, so he should be chipping or making sure that the quarterback's safe before he goes out running a route. I know. I'm just talking about he needs Sirianni needs to make sure that's part of the game plan. All right, we will. Yes, they will. And oh, Michael Parsons, we need to be the team that doesn't allow him to get a sack. Hopefully, his groin injury is is bad. Hopefully he doesn't play this week. We never he, wish injuries upon anyone, but in this I'm circumstance. Sorry. I do. I do. On Dallas players, I do. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. The Eagles are 5-0. and oh. We will be back Friday with the Eagles-Cowboys preview. Thank you for listening. For Connor, I'm LJ. Go Birds. You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. Yeah.